Welcome to MedTech On Air, your window into the world of medical technologies. This is a podcast by MedTech Europe, the European Trade Association for the Medical Technology Industry. My name is Estefania Cordero, I'm the Communications Manager, and I am the host of this podcast. In this episode, we're delving into the lifeblood of Europe's medical technology sector, research and innovation. Through our sector's investment into research and innovation, we're able to develop life-changing medical technologies and digital health solutions that set the standard for quality patient care in Europe and beyond. At the same time, there are ways to build our impact through collaborations known as public-private partnerships. To dive deeper into this today, we're speaking to Mark Lloyd-Davies. Mark is the global head of the Strategics Partnerships and Resource Group at Johnson & Johnson, a MedTech Europe member. We've invited Mark to chat with us today because of his longstanding experience working in collaborative R&I in Europe. And Mark, we are so pleased to have you in the podcast today. Welcome. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Before we dig in, Mark, I'd love for our listeners to learn a little bit more about you. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience and what your office looks after at J&J? Absolutely. So I've been at Johnson Johnson for close to 15 years. And my team, Strategic Partnership and Resource Group, or SPRG, we partner with leaders across Johnson Johnson who essentially want to accelerate their innovation. And we help them accelerate their innovation or de-risk that innovation or essentially amplify their own internal resources by seeing what external uh, resources are that are available that we can bring into the organization where we're aligned on our goals and purposes. And these external resources are about primarily people, ideas, innovation, data, networks, and can involve an element of financing as well. And the best feedback we get from our senior internal R&D leaders is that we're able to help them get their products and their ideas to patients uh, as fast as possible, but in a way which is compliant with the corporate risk environment, which is also very important. J&J has quite an extensive experience participating in partnerships with the European institutions like the Innovative Medicines Initiative uh, 1 and 2, and now its successor, the Innovative Health Initiative, um, which medical technology companies can now formally be a part of. what is it uh, about public-private partnerships that is so promising, I guess, you know, for, for J&J? Yeah. Well, I think not just for J&J, but really for anybody who's interested within innovation in, in uh, medtech in Europe. So what makes uh, them promising is that, firstly, when I think about sort of the innovation opportunities you know, facing a company such as ours, you either have a particular technology in mind that you really want to advance further, And you need to find ways, how can I either help it fail fast and realize it doesn't work or understand where it works makes a major impact meaningfully to patients. And that's about often a particular technology that can address a particular pathology or disease for patients. But secondly, and this is what's quite unique to um, the European setup and instruments such as IHI, is that it isn't necessarily just about a particular technology and how to get that to patients. But it's about how can we almost um, reimagine or relook at how we collect data, how we look at um, health economic analysis, how the regulatory approval pathway may be, and how indeed healthcare systems are designed altogether. And really, the, you know, the stuff is science fiction. And I think what I know, when you are within a uh, company, a private company, uh, 
your main focus, quite rightfully, should be focusing on assets and technologies and getting to the patients. But those bigger pictures about the wider environment I just described, you still want to find answers to that, but you may not have the space, scope, or resourcing to do that internally. So these external public-private partnerships give a real opportunity to explore that. So explore, for example, what is the future role of artificial intelligence in the OR, and how does it make a difference within operating rooms? That's the sort of thing an IHI project could be, should be, probably is, looking at. But not the sort of thing you necessarily just do internally on your own as a company. So I want to help delineate that difference between asset-based projects and then wider ecosystem-based projects. And in Europe, you have funding and partnership opportunities which address both. So I hear that by participating in these public-private partnerships, companies can have actually a quite big positive societal impact on multiple levels. Yeah, that's absolutely the case. No, definitely. So not only in terms of the science and how that can be exciting with innovation to think, how can we use this data to create a new regulatory framework or set new common standards for data treatment, etc. But you're contributing to the shaping of a more accessible, equitable, fairer, better health system and better society. And that's highly motivating. And every organization, whether it's the public sector, the private sector, wants a workforce engaged and motivated with a sense of purpose. So IHI type models also provide that. I'll just add, can I add a point onto this? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, so an additional point, again, an often overlooked point with IHI type projects or public-private partnerships more generally, is if you're a senior leader within a R&D organization in a company, they provide really good opportunities to help develop your talent. That you may have talented scientists, talented project managers, talented analysts, and you think, how can I stretch and develop them, open new windows for them? Uh, in a way which grows them as well as the organization and the patients we serve. And these public-private partnership opportunities are great talent development opportunities. And I think, at least speaking from the industry side, that's often overlooked. It's more of a focus on what's the science, what's the outcome, what's the difference. But actually, it's the impact on the people on the way, both internally as well as externally. So that's often overlooked. And I would say to... Um, all, all um, actors and stakeholders in public-private partnerships think about how the act of engaging one will grow your talent and grow your people. Europe is home to the world's largest transnational research and innovation program, including the leading public-private partnership in health, uh, the Innovative Health Initiative that we've mentioned now a couple of times. What advice would you give to our listeners about how companies can join this collaborative opportunity? So my advice or, or thoughts about, you know, the opportunities in the house, the opportunities are gives you a really good uh, framework to align your research and innovation goals and objectives with that of the wider European Union, where the commission wants to see uh, health go and where individual countries and member states want to see health go as well. So you can align with the objectives of policymakers and leaders within government institutions. So that's one advantage. Another advantage is that you are uh, building new networks with patient research foundations, with academic hospitals, with small companies, even with competitors in ways that you wouldn't do necessarily normally. And this can help build new bridges, new ideas, new insights, which are very, very, very powerful. I remember speaking to one senior scientist at Johnson & Johnson, who was, I said to, I said to him, what's the, um, the best upside of being part of a European public-private partnership like IHI? I was expecting to say something like, I don't know, uh, facilities or 
something like that. And he said, it's access to world-class ideas often come from the least likely places. And when you have a real consortium of different stakeholders, sometimes you will meet people and encounter people and get new ideas, new perspectives, which you wouldn't normally hear within your echo chamber. And we all have a tendency in our industry, or not just our industry, but if in a research group or in academia, you're still in the form of an echo chamber. And this helps break down those barriers and those, and those silos. So that's very, very powerful. And so these are advantages or reasons why to get involved. The advice of how to get involved would be look at your current network, challenge yourself, is that diverse enough for innovation and ideas? Also see, does my current network, are we aligning around a common question or problem? And if we are, let's engage collectively in a public-private partnership, but challenge us by bringing in new stakeholders and new networks which we don't have. Because the broader horizons, the, the broader and more creative your innovation will be. We've talked quite a bit about the big picture, um, but let's scale it back a little bit. Is there a particular collaboration or project that you can speak to to give us a more concrete picture, um, not just about the project's aims or, or the impact, but about the journey to work together with so many partners? What, what is that like? So when you are working together with uh, many, many partners, certainly a capability that's needed is somebody who's good at project management. And they can come from any of, the, any of the different stakeholders. But that's something certainly needed is you're sort of herding the different stakeholders together and managing to keep things uh, aligned and uh, moving forward. But if I think of a particular example, I could probably speak to one very current for us, and it is an IHI, public-private partnership, IDERA. And in IDERA, it, we're looking at a huge data set uh, across Europe. And by analysing this data... This is the big picture view now, looking at the role of artificial intelligence, looking at the role of machine learning, and then looking at what new common standards could be established as a result of insights as data. What might new future potential regulatory frameworks look like? And actually, how can we better connect health economic data and value for, value for money market access data generation requirements with regulatory data generation requirements? Because one thing... Certainly, uh, and what an innovator doesn't want is to be asked to develop evidence and data for a health economic analysis and then find that that's not sufficient or not compatible with regulatory analysis. And ideally, you want to generate data that will, 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 will treat both. So idea is looking at that on a large scale. So that's a big sort of scale picture, but it's also allowing all the different, I think, 40 plus different stakeholders from multiple countries and multiple sectors to look at specific pathologies. And one that Johnson & Johnson were really looking at is in lung cancer, in the early detection of lung cancer. How can um, analyzing of the data and the use of machine learning spot patterns that can give indications of where early emerging phase zero, phase one lung cancer may be. And this is critical with the vast majority of patients in lung cancer specifically are diagnosed in stage four, so at very advanced stage. And all the data shows that the mortality is high and prospects aren't good. So there's a real unmet clinical need there for patients. So that's one thing we're looking at specifically in that idea of project. So that's both the big picture I described, but then a very specific one related to disease and related to technology as well. 
Thank you, Mark, for joining us on the podcast today and for sharing your insights about the innovation opportunities in Europe. Listeners, you can stay up to date with the latest news from our sector by heading to our website, www.medtecheurope.org, or by following us on our social channels and newsletters. See you next time.